You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role, or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. This episode is brought to you by Amplitude, the pioneer in digital optimization software that helps product leaders answer the question, how do our digital products drive our business? 1,400 plus customers, including Atlassian, Instacart, and Under Armour, rely on Amplitude's product analytics. Get started at Amplitude.com. Today, we're joined by Amazon product lead, Charu Sareen, to talk about two great technologies for product teams, artificial intelligence and machine learning. However, they are only useful if you know how to use them right. Keep listening to hear why you should consider them and how to succeed as an AI and ML product manager. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Product School webinar, Five Key AI and ML Product Management Skills. First of all, thank you for joining the webinar. My name is Charu Sareen, and I'm a Senior Product Manager at Amazon Web Services, where I work on SageMaker, which is the AI and ML platform for developers and data scientists. I lead a service called Feature Store within SageMaker. I'm really passionate about data, AI, and ML, and have over a decade of experience in this space. I have a degree in computer science and information technology from India. And I also hold an MBA from University of Michigan Ross School of Business. Outside of work, I really enjoy traveling. In the last five years, I have traveled to and lived in 23 states in the US, and I'm hoping to visit all the 50 uh, by the next five years. Uh, Now that instructions are out of the way, Let's talk about the agenda that we have for today. So I'll start with a high-level overview of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Then we'll touch upon what is AI product management and why do we need to understand it? Why is it important for PMs in any function to learn about AI and ML? Finally, I'll talk about the five key skills that you need to hone as an AI ML PM. And to do that, I'll walk you through the ML workflow. Okay, so before we go into the session, I think it will be good to get some definitions out of the way. I believe all of you understand what is AI ML. So I won't spend a lot of time explaining these technologies, but I do want to highlight that I will be using AI and ML interchangeably during the presentation. So AI is a huge space, And machine learning and deep learning are just subsets of AI. In this presentation, we'll focus primarily on machine learning. So what is machine learning? I have this definition from Arthur Samuel, um, who was the pioneer in AI and computer gaming research. To simplify what is there on the slide, so think of machine learning As I already mentioned, um, it is a subset of artificial intelligence, and it uses statistical learning algorithms to build systems. And these systems have the ability to automatically learn and improve from experiences without being explicitly programmed. So this is what machine learning is in a nutshell. So today, machine learning is everywhere. Uh, We interact with machine learning every day in our daily lives. Uh, 
It could be when we are using services like recommendation systems on Netflix, YouTube, Spotify, or we could be using some search engines like Google or Yahoo. All of these use machine learning. Same goes for voice assistants like Google Home and Amazon Alexa. Then there are areas where we don't exactly see or perceive that we are using machine learning, but it does impact us behind the scenes. For example, if you get a message from your credit card company that, hey, did you perform these XYZ transactions? That could be your credit card company running a fraud detection algorithm behind the scenes, and it is trying to understand whether a transaction is actually fraudulent or it's a legitimate transaction. Another area is every time you order something on Amazon and Amazon fulfills your orders through their fulfillment centers, that work is automated using AI-powered robots and compute vision. Also think about customer support. The last time um, you had a chat with your um, bank account or with Macy's, right? The chat that you had, it could actually be a chatbot instead of a real human being um, that you are talking to. And how can you forget self-driving cars? So you have onboard cameras and computers that identify objects and people on the road. And these cameras follow the traffic signs and drive the car. So some of these early models are already safer than human drivers. So in a sense, AI is completely changing the games in terms of improving the quality of our experiences. It is pretty much touching us on a day-to-day -day basis in almost all the products that we use. In fact, I think if you open your smartphone and open any mobile application, it will be very surprising if it doesn't use AI. Chances are, if you are building a product, some aspect of it relies on machine learning. And as a result of this, product managers may find that they need to adopt the roles and responsibilities of an AI PM in their product areas. Therefore, it is important that you understand AI and what AI product management is. So what is different in building AI products? Along with the regular challenges you face as a product manager, there's a host of new challenges when it comes to managing AI products. There are more unknowns, non-deterministic outcomes, new infrastructure, new processes, and new tools. So there's a lot to learn about, but it's worthwhile to access the unique and special value AI can create in the product space. So in order to understand these areas that I spoke about above, let us take a look at the machine learning workflow. So if you look at a machine learning workflow, the first step is to define the business problem. You really need to understand what exactly do you want to predict? How do you know that it's going to be successful? An example could be a bank wanting to predict whether a car transaction is fraud. Now, once you have defined the problem, the second step is selecting, cleaning, and preparing the data and making it ready for machine learning. So this could be simple transformations or one-hot encoding that you perform on data, or you could be engineering completely new parameters. So in the fraud detection example, it could be parameters such as distance of the transaction location, 
compared to the actual location or residence of the customer. So for if someone lives in Bay Area or California and their car was all of a sudden swiped in Paris, that could be a red flag. Now, once you have prepared this data, you start building a model using machine learning algorithms. So in case of fraud detection, let's say, or let's assume that you're using an XGBoost algorithm and your science team is building, on, uh, building that algorithm. So you create a training data set and the machine lear learning algorithm which your scientists are building will work on this training data to come up with patterns and finally give you a trained model. You will then use this trained model and deploy it or productionalize it and use it in your actual application in the real world. And when you use this in the real world, this model will give you a probability whether a transaction is fraudulent or not. And this sums up you know, your ML workflow. So as we saw in the life cycle above, the first thing that you need to do as an MLPM is to define whether you need an ML algorithm to solve your problem. So machine learning algorithms are useful for finding complex relationships and hidden patterns in data consisting of many interdependent variables. It is important to remember that ML is not a solution for every type of problem. There are certain cases where robust solutions can be developed without using ML techniques. For example, um, you don't need ML if you can determine a target value by using simple rules, computations, or predetermined steps that can be performed without needing any data-driven learning. So the first question that you need to answer is whether to ML or not. Let's say you have decided to use machine learning. All AI models want high accuracy, but what does that mean? So let me give you an example. Let's say you want to determine whether an email is a spam or not. It's a very common use case. We receive emails uh, on Gmail every day and Gmail tags them as spam or not spam and moves the spam emails to the spam folder. So in this scenario, what is more important for you as a PM? Is it important to tag each spam email accurately? Or is it more important to not tag a legitimate email incorrectly as spam? So these two are opposing forces. And you need to make a decision what is more important for you. And there are no right or wrong answers here. It completely depends on the business objective. And now once you have decided, the next question will be, let's say I don't want to tag a legitimate email as spam. That's my higher priority. But then how do I measure the accuracy? What level of accuracy is important from business standpoint? Always remember that increasing accuracy has a cost. The cost could be in terms of amount of time you take to build the model or time taken to make the prediction. Do you trade off costs for accuracy? All these are important decisions you make as an AI and MLPM. Finally, um, machine learning introduces uncertainty. Because of the nature of machine learning models, there is a high level of ambiguity associated with machine learning. The models are produced by code, but not just code. It's an artifact of the code and the training data. 
that data is never as stable as we would like to think. So your user base grows, the demographics and the behavior of user population in the production data might shift from your initial training data, which was based on only early adopters. So all these introduce uncertainty. So we spoke about the fraud detection example, right? A model for detecting fraud will make some kinds of fraud harder to commit. And bad actors will then react by inventing new kinds of fraud. So invalidating the original model. So in a way, models within AI products change the same world that they try to predict. Therefore, you have to be very careful about the business problem you are trying to solve and how you are solving it. So we spoke about the business problem in, at quite length. Now let's look at data. Dealing with data comes with its own set of challenges. The first challenge is, do you have access to data? Is the data available to you? Sometimes you will have a problem where you simply just don't have the data. But at other times, the problem might be accessibility. So when you're working with all these large companies, it's very critical. You may have all the data in the world to build the customer information, but you may not have access to it. And your model may not have access to it. So even though you have defined the problem, but you can't access the data that you need to solve it. Also think about, should you be using the data at all? You may have a lot of sensitive information about the customer, where they live, about their bank accounts, and so on and so forth. Should you target these customers using this data? A good rule of thumb is, do you want to be in the news for using this data? If no, then use, don't use that information. It sounds weird. You might think to yourself that you are using this data to actually do something good for the customers, improve their experience. But customers might not feel the same. They might not be okay with you using their information. So just because you have the data and it's accessible and available doesn't mean you should use it. You should get the correct user permissions to access the data. You should respect their privacy and make sure that all through the process, all the different data pipelines are actually secure. You don't want the data to be compromised ever. So if you don't have a system that is secure, do not use it to store customer information. The next challenge that you see with data is about the data being relevant. This, um, so you may have a lot of data that is not actually relevant for the problem you are trying to solve. Maybe you are trying to predict the customer um, share of wallet but you don't have enough historical data to make prediction. You have data from 15 years back, but you don't have any recent data. So if you build a share of wallet model based on that, it will not give you the correct outcome. So having relevant data is also very important. Another area AI PMs need to be careful about is bias. This is a very sensitive and deep topic, and a lot of research is being done in this area. So essentially biases are when there's an anomaly in the output of the machine learning algorithm, and it is caused by some assumption which are made during the algorithmic development process or due, due to the prejudices in the training data. Let me give an example to illustrate this. Let us say you build a model to predict which resume should be prioritized to interview for your candidate pipeline. You might think this is a complex problem. It changes over time. It scales. 
So it actually has a lot of qualities of being a great candidate for machine learning. You might also think that you have a lot of quality data from all the employees at work to build this model. But do you really have that quality data? In reality, you only have the data of the candidates who applied and who made it. You don't have all the data of people who are great but never applied. So you are introducing bias in your data and you will be making the same mistakes that you did or are doing currently. So your output will never get better. So you need to make sure that you have a very balanced data set. This episode is brought to you by Amplitude, the pioneer in digital optimization software that helps product leaders innovate faster and smarter by answering the strategic question, how do our digital products drive our business? 1,400 plus customers like Atlassian, Instacart, and Under Armour rely on Amplitude's best-in-class product analytics solution to unlock insights, build winning products faster, and turn products into revenue. Get started at Amplitude.com. Moving on. All PMs want to get customer feedback. But with machine learning, this becomes even more important. And the reason is that machine learning is probabilistic. And inherently, when you have probabilistic systems, you need more and more data to actually improve the quality of the output. But how do you gather this data? How do you make it easy for customers to provide you with the data? Or how do you create these feedback loops? One way is you actually get this feedback by embedding a feedback loop in the core customer workflow. So here I have an example of Uber feedback. By prompting the customer for feedback every time they log into the app, Uber can collect lots of useful customer signal. In this example, the customer is unhappy with the number of pickups. So Uber can now use this information to optimize their Uber pool pickup algorithm. And that's a great way to keep improving your user experience. Now we have seen defining the business problem preparing the data, and then using that data to train your model and then productionalize it. So let's think about once you have your model running in production, how about the user experience? So the important thing to think about here is that a lot of user experience in product management is conscious. When I say conscious, I mean that the user is understanding what's happening in the experience in front of them and they are making decisions based on that. Example, you are usually asking customers to select from a drop-down, press one of the two buttons, put check marks, select between different color options. You are giving them specific interfaces, and they are interacting with those interfaces. But then there is a set of unconscious things you might have experienced in products. For example, highlighting a specific box more boldly than others. And users unconsciously prefer to pick the button that's more prominent. And so that's an unconscious decision that the user is making and not a conscious one. A lot of AI systems are more conscious, unconscious. So an example of this is in search. So if you look at the images, there are two users who are searching the same thing, the exact same word, that is shoes. But you will notice that the items on the left are all men's shoes, and the items on the right are all women's shoes. 
And that's because the user on the right is a female user. The user on the left is a male user. So this is an example of an unconscious experience change that you as a PM is making by using AI. So you're using the user's gender information to tailor the results for them. So it's important to think about what are the things that you can do based on the information that you have to build a better experience and give the user what they are looking for without them having to consciously provide that input to you. So this is a very important area and you need to be careful about what information you are using to improve the customer experience. The next thing here is to be really opinionated. There are actually a lot of correct answers to a single question. For example, if a customer search searches for couch, should you show them the result for home decor ideas or should you just show them different couch brands? This completely depends on the action you want the user to take. So let's say if you are someone like Bed Bath Beyond and you have different home decor products, you might want to show the customer home decor ideas versus just showing them a couch. But if you are Google, you want to be more precise with your search and you want to show the customer just different brands of couches. So you need to design your interface in such a way that the user is nudged in the direction of action you want them to take. You also need to ensure that there are at most one or two actions so that the user interface is really simple. Finally, we have gone through the entire machine learning workflow, but there's still another area that is really important for AI ML PMs to keep in mind. So if you are a PM, you are already working with multiple stakeholders and you are working with more stakeholders if you deal with AI products and you need to adapt to this change. As a product manager, you typically deal with engineering, you deal with customers, customer success, and marketing teams, and maybe sales. So this is obviously a very simplified view, but this gives you an overview in terms of how complex the product management role can be. What happens in a typical product is that product management, along with UX, defines requirements, and you provide these requirements to engineering and you iterate with them over a period of time to actually build and ship the product. This is what a traditional product management lifecycle looks like. What's different if you are building AI products is suddenly there are multiple new teams who are entering the mix. So these could be data scientists, data engineers, ML scientists, ML engineers, applied scientists, business intelligence folks. So essentially, the complexity of building the product has gone up significantly just because you have so many more stakeholders. If earlier you were spending time with your engineering team, working with them to ship a product out, with AI products, your coordination time is going to go up. And this is very critical. To actually do this right, it also means that you have a longer lead time for product iterations. Because when you get feedback, and if you want to change something in the product, and if it requires changing the AI models or if it impacts the AI models, then you have to start the process all over again. You first have to start with the data, 
find that if you have um, to get new data, if you have missing data. Then the science team has to go build the models and then finally work with the engineering team again to ship it out. So more stakeholders, more complexity, and the longer it takes to ship the product. So you might argue that these teams can vary based on the size, size of the company, and there could be just one person who is doing all the data-related uh, functions. But these roles exist, and this complexity will be there. And as the field becomes more specialized, these roles will also become more specialized. So this is something you need to think about and adapt to. Now that we have covered these five areas, I would like to do a quick recap of what we learned in this session. So the first thing is that AIML is here to stay and it will continue to transform the way we interact and engage with each other and the world at large. So as a PM, you need to prepare yourself for this change and you need to figure out where AI and ML can give your business a competitive advantage. We also learned about the five areas PMs should focus on as they are building their AI and ML skills. So first, you need to approach AI initiatives by exploring data first and to identify and vet the business opportunities. That's the most important first step, define the business problem. Second, you must continue to gather data and the data should be the right data in the right way with all the user privacy and security concerns being addressed. And then you should use that data to fine-tune ongoing AI initiatives. Thirdly, you need effective collaboration. Effective collaboration within cross-functional teams is what brings AI initiatives to life. So listen to each other and try to learn from each other. Finally, um, you must leverage AI and ML to deepen your understanding of customers and continuously deliver delightful user experiences. Perhaps even more importantly, I think personally as an AI MLPM, you should be prepared for failure since uncertainty is undoubtedly higher for AI initiatives. It's just the nature of the field, of the machine learning field. It's more, probabilis it's more probabilistic. Um, so that introduces inherent ambiguity. Above all, keep learning and keep sharing. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, that's it from my side. Thanks a lot for attending. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.